Welcome, everybody, to the Premier League on Tap, your FPL Draft podcast. I'm Zach, also known as Drafting for Upside, and today I'm joined by our guest and fellow community draft manager, Will, at FFootball92, to continue our manager strategy series during the international break we find ourselves in right now. Uh, before we start revealing some weak winning strategies, Will, why don't you introduce yourself to the podcast, Loyals, and tell us a little bit about yourself. Cool. Yeah. Hi, Zach. Um, hi, everyone. I'm Will from Fantasy Football 92. Um, that's where you can find me on Twitter and on the internet as well. Um, I was, to be honest, I was hoping that you'd have me on before Jacob, uh, just because he's more successful than I am, and I've got a worse accent as well. I've got a bit of a kind of like a whiny northern accent, whereas he's got a really nice, delicate Southampton twang. Um, but you know it is what it is I'm here um, I'm ready for a good chat I hope you can put up with me <laughs> absolutely thanks for uh, coming on the show and just a review we're going to go over your season so far some of your preseason draft strategies how uh, how that worked out your boss breakouts and then some more in-season team management so uh, what do you say we get started Sounds good. There's going to be more busts than breakouts, but that's fine. That's why we're here. Hey, you know, you learn more from those than you do from your breakouts. <laughs> or so I'm told. So uh, why don't you tell me a little bit more about yourself and how you got started playing this uh, draft Premier League game that we're all crazed about. Yeah, well, uh, I'm going to show my age a little bit here now. I've been playing fo- fantasy football for probably just over 20 years now. Um, I used to play when you used to send off your team via the newspaper and update it every week via post. So, yeah, pretty ancient. Um, I've played draft for about eight years now, um, having got a bit sick of everyone having the same team, that same old story. Um, so, yeah, myself and a few friends started in the Play Togger days. Um, we're our eighth season now um, in the Fantrax era. Uh, yeah, and we we love it, to be honest. Um, really, really enjoy it. Hey, it sounds like you bring experience to the table. Uh, experience, not always success, but yes, experience is there. All the Can't same, all the same to us here. <laughs> so, uh, what's your favorite team? What are some of your favorite players? Doesn't have to be fantasy, because um, we know that those, those don't always correlate. <laughs> uh, so, I'm a Liverpool fan. Um so yeah, my, my dad's from Liverpool kind of forced me into supporting them, which when I grew up wasn't a great thing, going to school with a lot of Man United fans at one every week. Uh, but now the tables have turned a bit, it's it's nice to be rewarded for for that patience. Um, obviously my favourite player growing up was Steven Gerrard, any kid from the 90s, early 2000s would probably agree. Um, my favourite fantasy players, um, Dimitri Payet, Riyad Mahrez, Willian and Andros Townsend. What a mix. Great, good five-a-side team. I'll go in goal, um, and then the four of them can make up the five-a-side team. Do you reckon? Yeah, I'd say so. Um, I know you said the tables <laughs> turn yeah, there, but yeah, I, I sure hope those tables turn the other way around because uh, I'm actually a, a Liverpool fan myself, and watching that loss was Amazing. pretty difficult. It's been a it's been a test at the start of the season. It's been a bit of a blast from the past, but you know, trust the process. Absolutely. So uh, I was wondering how you got into this community and what made you want to join leagues um, like the Genie League that you maybe 
haven't heard of anyone participating in before? Oh, that's such a good question. Um, yeah, so I've kind of come from a, a home league where I do pretty well. Um, I'm not going to go into how well, just in case any of them are listening and they uh, roast me in our group chat for it. Um, but uh, yeah, to go in and get in beaten quite a lot in the Junior League and the uh, Community League. Myself, big shout out to Joe Williams. Um, if you're listening, uh, loads of you in the community will know Joe at J Will Draft. Uh, myself and Joe set up the Community League. We're in our fourth season. Um, it's our baby, really. Um, Colin Greaves as well, massively carrying um, carrying it now. He's he's absolute legend amongst many others. So we we created that um, four years ago just because we felt like everyone has their home league, but it's nice to just make the community bigger if that makes sense and kind of connect people a bit more into into one big league really um, so we found that lots of people are interacting on Twitter about their home leagues but why not just all be in a league together give us something to talk about so yeah we started with 24 managers I think the vast majority are still in the community league and now we're up to 108 so and we love it uh, me and Joe have never never actually won league titles I don't think I'm sure Joe will correct me if I'm wrong, um, but we love it. We absolutely love it. It's about getting to know people through a common interest, isn't it? So, yeah, we're up to 108 managers. We're really proud of it. And uh, like I said before, Colin Greaves as well, massively carrying it nowadays. So all that great stuff that you see from the Community League uh, Twitter, it's all from Colin. Um, so, yeah, that's that's how I got into the community, really. Fantastic. And for what it's worth, I've never won a league before either. I'm uh, actually really great at getting second or third, which some might say is even better. Um, That's kidding. great, yeah. But <laughs> avoid last. Avoid last at all costs and you're fine. Yeah. Um, said no one ever. Everyone wants to win, but uh, it's about the journey, <laughs> not the destination. Uh, at least so people yeah. say. So <laughs> with regard to... I guess you could pick either leagues, but what positions were you drafting from in those leagues? Oh, right. So, this is a complicated question. Um, the Community League, I was... So, a bit of an interesting way of, of taking the, um, the draft order as such. We had golfers in the uh, British Open the, at St Andrews, and we had to pick a golfer. And wherever they finished is where you kind of drafted from. I love so that. So I got given the world number one, Scotty Scheffler, who was one of, I think, three golfers that went over par on the last day. Absolutely messed up his round. So I actually drafted from 10th in that league. Um, but I traded and traded and traded to get first pick, uh, which I did. So I traded quite a lot of picks away to get um, first pick overall and then had to wait a heck of a long time for my second pick. Um, I wouldn't do it again, let's say. I wouldn't do that again. Um, and then in the Genie League, I just kind of left it alone, and I drafted from sixth, and I got Harry Kane in the first round, which was great. Um, so, yeah, I don't think there's a, a best draft position as such, but don't draft, don't trade away all your picks to get first pick. It's not worth it. <laughs> Yeah, I, I've heard of some people really going all in on the first and second rounds, and uh, sometimes that really just wastes all your value when you get to the fourth, fifth, and sixth rounds where you know players are still there, but they might just be a bit 
more muddled of a scenario. So. Um, yeah, I mean this this year, I obviously as a Liverpool fan, I wanted Salah. Um, but if I'd waited for tenth, I would have got Gabriel Jesus, who is just as good at the moment, if not better. So, again, you live and learn. Yeah, yeah, you've got people jumping ship from Salah. I'm sure people would, uh, you know, rip your hand off if you were trading Jesus for Salah. So, hey, yeah. I mean, oh, he's staying. Salah's staying forever. Yeah, <laughs> I've, for I've sure. got to go down with this ship now, Zach. <laughs> Absolutely, I'm the same way. Um, so were you targeting or avoiding any certain players, uh, specifically maybe in those first three or four rounds? Yeah, so I've got um, quite a specific draft strategy. I think this answers quite a few, maybe quite a few of your questions that we've got written down here, mate. Um, so I will never take a defender in the first round, maybe the first three rounds. So whatever happened, I wasn't taking Trent and I wasn't taking Cancelo. Um, and that is genuinely because I I really think in one week you can pick up a defender that is going to score you 20, 30 points uh, from the waiver wire. You've got to be lucky, but it's part of the skill, isn't it? Whereas, you know, Trent and Cancelo are going to get you that every other week. But if you can stream it, then stream it and get in those big forwards and those big midfielders. So I was never going to take a defender. Um, another player I was never going to take was Jared Bowen, and that looks inspired. I remember having a, a conversation with a league league mate in the Genie League because I'd taken Sam Maximan ahead of Bowen, and he was gobsmacked. He's like, "Why have you done that? Did you not watch the Premier League last season?" Um, and yeah, that's looking like a good kind of hunch, really, because he's been nowhere near last season. So yeah, they were my avoids. Um, I really wanted Perisic from Tottenham. So I got him in a couple of leagues, and he's not quite been the force that I thought he was going to be, to be honest. So I was desperate to get him, um, but, you know, it's early days. He, he looks like he could be quite good, but, yeah, not quite the powerhouse I thought he was going to be. Um, and obviously, like we've just said, Salah. I really wanted Salah this season with no World Cup, new, new um, contract. I thought, you know, everything was going to be rosy, and he was going to be first overall quite comfortably, but... We'll see. He still might be. It's it's early days. Yeah, yeah. He'll. I firmly believe he'll come good. And if there is a manager that's looking to sell him on the low, if that's really the case, I don't think he's actually been that poor for Fantrax purposes. I would definitely oh, take no. advantage of that. So, do you, in a you know general philosophy, believe that getting those early picks? correct is more important than those mid to late round picks or uh do you maybe adopt the same viewpoint that jacob had which you may or may not have heard that he just tries to uh generally not lose in those first few rounds maybe the rounds you know one through four one through five yeah i think I, I think those early picks, if you get them right, they kind of enable you to go a bit crazy and maybe reach for a few players in round four and five, if that makes sense. So if you know you're getting a solid base, like, a, I don't know, a Harry Kane, James Ward-Prowse, uh, I'm trying to think who third round would be, a, a good third rounder, um, then it, it allows you to kind of reach a bit further for, say, like an Elise or, you know, like a... I think I was going to say Harvey Barnes then, but he's been atrocious. 
Um, a, a player like Elise in round four, you can kind of go a bit further up the draft board than you would like to um, to get those points because you those you know potential breakout season um, than you know if you've not got that solid base, you're obviously going to go for the the more solid, dependable players rather than the high upside. Drafting for upside is your name, so I guess are you kind of on the same you know the same page? You're kind of looking to get those high high upside players in rather than the kind of six or seven points a week? Yeah, I I firmly believe in, um, as my name says, drafting for upside. There, There's always limits, obviously. Um, but I personally went Holland with picks one and two, respectively, in my two leagues um, nice. for that very reason. And to me, I mean, I mean, we play this to have fun, right? So... If I'm going to turn on the TV and watch a team play, uh, kind of like you said, I don't really want to watch a defender. Uh, I want to watch an attacker, someone exciting. And really, Holland's the most exciting person we've had come into the Premier League since, I don't even know, maybe, I guess. Probably Bruno Fernandes, I guess. Yeah, yeah, something like that. And probably the best striker since Aguero or Suarez graced our presence. So, um, yeah. Oh, I totally agree. You want to be watching your best players playing up front or in midfield, don't you? You want to be seeing them banging the goals in, setting setting goals up. Right. Um, I, I I drafted Coutinho for that again. A little bit of a Liverpool bias, mm-hmm. and I just think he's you know when he's on form, he's great to watch. But oh man, when he's not, he's yeah, he's, he's just been appalling. He's been terrible. Yeah, he can be dead asleep. He's been racking up the yellows too. It's yeah. rather frustrating. Yeah, no, he has. Um, so, as far as your team composition goes, uh, do you normally prefer to go best available player on the board, the guy that sticks out to you, uh, or do you try and fill those roster requirements? Maybe not, you know, I want to take a defender because I took two or three attackers previously, but. Um, maybe weigh that a little bit more than some other managers might? I think, for me, it depends if I'm in a slow draft or a live draft. So if I'm in a slow draft, I'll take my time. When it comes to my pick, I'll look at who others have got, if this makes any sense at all. Yeah, um, absolutely. Um, so if I if I can see that there's a few managers in the league that I think, right, they're really struggling for midfielders and there's not a lot left but I really like their forwards. So I'd rather pick up a midfielder at that point, even if he's not necessarily the best available. If I can kind of stack one position and I know other managers are going to be short in that area, I'll stack. I I always stack midfielders. I always get... I reckon I've normally got five midfielders by round eight. Um, And, you know, with varying degrees of success, but I know that I can target people if they're short on midfielders or short of forwards in those trades early in the season um, rather than you know reaching for a guy that I don't really want just because I need a player in that position. Does that kind of make sense? Yeah, I think that kind of lands in the sweet spot uh, of that question. I think you gave it, gave it a good political answer right there where Thank you. Uh, I think if, if there's only a couple midfielders in your tier left and you know they're going to go, uh, it could be worth taking them over somebody who you might have slightly higher uh, just yeah. to gain that competitive advantage in your draft. Um, it, it doesn't always go that simply, but
but I think looking at other people's teams maybe is a place that we as drafters can improve because I know when I see those one or two guys that I was hoping fell to me uh, on the board, I put on horse blinders and I really only look at them. So that's my strategy, but that doesn't need to be everyone's, obviously. Yeah. Yeah, and I I guess if you're in a live draft, then you're not going to see that, really. If you've got a minute and a half to make a pick, then I think you've got no choice but to take the best on the board, really. Or if you you know if you've not got a forward by round four, you're picking the next best forward. But you know if you've got the time to really analyse it, I I really think stacking certain positions is is a good way to go if you can. It mm-hmm. kind of relies on people being happy to trade, I guess. Um, but yeah, no, it's what I what I try and do at least. It doesn't always work, but that's my strategy. It's interesting you brought up the difference between a slow draft and a you know, real-time draft where your strategy varies between the two because uh, speaking from personal experience, I've found that drafters in slow drafts who, uh, you know, knowing their backgrounds as drafters maybe drafted a little bit better than I would have expected. So I think you maybe disregard ADP a little bit more in those as people have more time to evaluate their options and evaluate your team, as you say. Uh, So I think that yeah, your strategy definitely has to vary between the two, and you might have to take a guy earlier than you probably would prefer in a slow draft. I think with it, I've always preferred a slow draft because I think, you know, it means I can I can plan my picks better. But I think what I noticed this summer was that I overthought things, and I didn't go I didn't go with my gut like I would if I just had ninety seconds. So, yeah, in some ways it didn't really help because I was thinking too much over certain decisions and I'd make the wrong one and I'd press the button and be like oh right I've thought about that for an hour and that's a terrible idea um, so I guess it works both, way, both ways doesn't it yeah absolutely so kind of in the same sense we discussed earlier how do you value risk versus reward or upside um, on a scale of maybe one to ten where one you you know stay stick to what's comfortable and ten being you're going for Lots of moonshots and go pro risk. Um, I'm definitely pro risk, probably a nine. Um, I listened to your first episode where you're talking about holding those players, and this isn't about drafting, but um, holding those like certain names during the, um, the the blank game week. And I know you specifically mentioned players like Bamford. I dropped Bamford last week um, because I just thought, you know, it's it's time to to go for it really I can't be letting players waste away on my bench so if there's a risky play I'll always go always go with the risk um, because there's been too many times when I've not done it and it's turned out to be a great call and I've re- regretted it so you know if my gut is telling me to do something I just kind of kind of do it really whether that's with drafting or just day-to-day squad management really right yeah, I mean, there's there's definitely risk involved in deciding whether to keep or drop a guy both ways. It can be risky to drop the guy or it can be risky not to, depending on what your matchup looks like. So I I would say depending on your matchup, that could have definitely made sense. I was just thinking as a general rule of thumb that, you know, Bamford, I think, has that historical performance and would urge people to keep him. But, oh, uh, definitely. And I went back in for him in waivers and I didn't get him, so... Uh, 
Well, so there we go. And I lost the game week anyway, so it, it, <laughs> it right. didn't pay off at all. Um, but I did it. <laughs> and, and yeah, exactly. And that's where we were coming from last week, where we said, oh, yeah, "Don't don't over invest <laughs> in one game week." But hey, if that worked out, we would be probably talking the other narrative. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so true, so true. So to to that same effect, what was your approach to game week eight with six teams not participating? Did you? I mean, you clearly dropped Bamford, but did you have any other tough decisions to drop or keep? Um, not really, to be honest. I got quite fortunate with, um, in the Genie League, um, in the Community League, I, I played against KDB, and I had Salah, as I've already mentioned, so my best player didn't play and his did. Um, so that was really unfortunate. Um, but generally speaking... In the Genie League, I got really lucky. I had Harry Kane playing. had most of my best players playing, to be honest. So I didn't have a lot of decisions to make, and I could field 11 quite comfortably. So in general, what is your philosophy with new acquisitions? Do you tend to have a longer or a shorter leash? Um. Oh, gosh. Do you mean like new transfers into the league? Because I think I, I I have quite a short leash with that kind of thing. Um, yeah, well, it could go for anyone, really. I I think, uh, I guess these volatile assets that you've seen perform a week or two that are, you know, worth a shout to pick up. If, say, you pick up a guy like Renan Lodi so far, um, okay. would, you, would you drop a guy like that after a week or two? Or... Would you normally try and wait wait it out, keep him on your bench, and see if he comes to form? You know what? I think a lot of it depends on how much I've actually invested in the player. So, for example, I've got Damsgaard from Brentford in one league, and I got him for, I think, $40 in my, my free agent budget. Um, and out of stubbornness, I've not dropped him yet, <laughs> where I maybe might have done elsewhere. Um, but I do think he's going to come good, so I have, I have held him. Um, and I'm going to be patient with him because I think it looks like, you know, some signs. He got eight points in 26 minutes against Arsenal. Um, so I think someone like him is going to be really good. Um, yeah, so, yeah, it depends on how how much I've had to give to get them. But which is a, I, I don't think that's a good policy at all. Because uh, if you, you know, if you get someone a free agent and you believe in them, then stick with them. Um, but yeah, if I've invested quite a bit in them, I will. I will give them plenty of chance until I do eventually drop them. Um, but yeah, on Dam's guard, I think he's going to be really good. Um, I have been very patient, so I flipping hope so. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I would personally probably drop Dam's guard if I didn't have all that invested, but I can see where when you have 15, 20 fab invested in a guy that it would be tough to, tough to get rid of him. Um, so, assuming you watch uh, several of the games, um, and if you don't, you're you know probably one of the best people in this space because you don't put in as much effort or have to, you know, seek out as much pain as we do. But what's your ratio of eye test to stats? Um, that's a really good question, actually. Um, I think I'm mostly eye test. So, for example, if a player hits the post twice in a week 
and you're watching it and they you, in fun tracks you get no no points for that at all but realistically they're millimeters away from scoring a goal so i'll always think you know if someone the things i look for are do they look like they're tall and going to win a lot of aerials do they look like they're going to go past lots of players and get dribble points but they've not quite got there yet or do they look like they're going to get key passes from corners that they've not quite sussed out yet so I'll always go for eye test over stats. The stats are great. Stats definitely help. Mm-hmm. Um, but if it looks like they're getting in the right positions and they're doing the right things to get those those ghost points, then I'll always go with the eye test, definitely. Trusting you. And also, this not... isn't like a, a good policy at all, but if they're really fun to watch, I'll pick them. So I don't know if you remember, there was a player for Southampton. Jacob will remember this guy and will probably roll his eyes as I say it, but Sofiane Buffal. Oh, I remember him. Remember that guy. Yep. So he was great fun, and if if he ever played, I would pick him up and play him every single week, and he would more often than not get me minus points. Um, but there was the odd week when he'd get you thirty points because he just dribbles past every player on the pitch and scores a goal. Um, so yeah, sometimes I roster a player because they're great fun, um, which doesn't always work, but it's part of the game, I suppose. Yeah. That's what makes players like uh, St. Maximin or Holland so fun. Adama even, maybe. Just watching them completely dominate out on the field. Um, I guess Adama being one of the scenarios where that doesn't necessarily always translate into real-life good performances. But, uh, yeah, rip to to the legend Adama. I know. I know. He's a big miss. Yeah, so... You don't have to share everything with us, but I thought I'd see and, you know, if you're looking to make any specific moves during this international break, whether via free agent acquisition or maybe tossing a few trades out there. Uh, Yeah, so one of the things I do on um, the website is a bit of a fixture tracker. Um, So I've already made one move in the last few weeks where I've just got Mitrovic in. Um, in one of the leagues because I just look at Fulham's fixtures and think they're unreal and they're better than expected Fulham you know they look better than I think everyone thought so I'm definitely targeting Fulham attackers specifically and Leicester players as well um, yeah bottom of the league Leicester uh, but their fixtures again look incredible so if you can get Madison, then good luck. I think I think before the Tottenham game, I was thinking, yeah, Madison, he's going to put in a three-point performance here and maybe people will get a bit sick of him and I can try and nab him a little bit. Um, he got something like 27 points. Yeah, so much for that. Possible. Yeah, that didn't pan out. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I'd be looking at players like Patson Dacker, Harvey Barnes, you can get Harvey Barnes really cheap right now ahead of those fixtures because he has been horrendous. I think Robbie, I don't know if you know Robbie, team of Carras. Yes. Um, yes. Said he's it, some crazy stat like Harvey Barnes has the least ghost points in the whole league of any player uh, that's played a certain number of minutes. So, like bar none, even Connor Cody has more ghost mm. points than him. So, which is frightening. He's he's been awful. But when you look at his fixtures. Mm-hmm. You know why not just throw a, a half decent player towards the Harvey Barnes manager because he can't get worse, and he's got Nottingham Forest next. So I'm definitely targeting Fulham and Leicester um, as you know, kind of five or six week picks. Um, that that's my strategy at the moment. I've already got Mitrovic. I kind of overpaid a little bit 
What, what do you think of this trade? So I, I got rid of Martin Odegaard and um, got Mitrovic in, which I, I didn't love, but now I kind of do like it a bit more. I don't know. I'm Was this sure. pre-injury or post-injury? This is pre-injury. Okay. For Odegaard. Yeah, so um, that one's aged well. It has so far, yeah. Um, and Mitrovic's fixtures are a joke. I don't know if you've seen the Fulham fixtures, but I can't see their next difficult game. I think they play... It's something like game week 13 or something. They play Man City away, but until then, they're just... Yeah. They have Newcastle, West Ham, Bournemouth, Villa, Leeds, Everton. Yeah. I mean, that's a joke. He, Mitrovic, on his own, is going to... you know, He'll easily get into double figures by the end of that run, um, possibly more. So, yeah, I'm targeting Fulham for sure. I like Pereira. He's okay. Uh, Willian, as I mentioned at the start of the podcast, is always going to hold a place in my heart. So maybe, you know, try and get him on the cheap if you can. Um, and Leicester assets. That's them, I think, my kind of tactics over the international break. But I do feel like quite a few people have similar tactics, unfortunately. Yeah, I like those two shouts. I think Leicester is definitely a team that attacking-wise has performed uh, maybe slightly below average, but uh, it's really just been them being a defensive liability at this point. So if you can trade one of those guys in on the low, uh, just based on team performance bias, then I would definitely be all for that, especially Harvey Barnes. uh, Sounds like he's due for any type of regression uh, <laughs> you'd hope so i wouldn't be surprised if there's some people dropping him by now um you'd probably have to have spent a fifth round sixth round pick to get him but you know realistically he's not bringing yeah. anything to the table yeah just try and let managers out of their pain by offering them a philip yeah. billing that's coming <laughs> off of a 27 point week or whatever it was uh, and i i like that shout on fulham as well with that strength of schedule um, that people may not be looking at quite yet. Uh, you might be able to get on top of that early during this international break while people are maybe taking a mental break from the game itself. Uh, we don't do that over here. So, no. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I think that, you know, Mitrovic for Odegaard in the right format could be a good return on value. Uh, Odegaard's definitely known to be dependent on goals sometimes. So you could you could definitely see that work out. Yeah, I I didn't love it when I did it. I was trying to get a two for two, but in the end, I just thought, you know what, let's go for it. He's going to score goals. So again, it's another one. He he's fun to watch. Um, so I thought, why not? Absolutely, yeah. So, could you give us maybe one or two players that you believe the community is sleeping on, and we should look at picking up or maybe trading in? Absolutely, I've made a few notes because I knew I'd forget which ones are chosen. So I've already mentioned Dakar and Dansgaard. I think they're they're useful looking players. Uh, Ethan Pinnock potentially thirty three percent owned. Um, on his way back from injury, no idea where he is on his recovery, but you know when he gets in there, he's he's a top ten defender. Um, but apparently he's he's fairly close. I obviously correct me if I'm wrong. I might be. Um, but I think there's thoughts of a return in a very similar way. Liam Cooper from Leeds as well is only 17% owned. Uh, he's been close to a comeback for about three months, I think. So surely this big break now will have uh, <laughs> given him chance to get fit. 
Um, but yeah, when he when he starts, he's an absolute joke. Um, my final one I picked was Amadou Onana. Um, when I put that into my phone, it actually auto-corrected. I'm reading it now as Amazon Obama. Um, but it's definitely Amadou, Amadou Onana from Everton. 22% owned. He's a giant. Um, and every cross seems to go towards his head. So he, he's going to score goals. I'm thinking he's their new Fellaini. That, that was what I was thinking. He's the new Marouin Fellaini with less bookings, hopefully. Um, <laughs> I never so, thought about that one. So maybe, you know, he's worth a go. He's worth yeah. a try. But they seem to be crossing it towards him at every available opportunity. So could be. Could be good. Awesome. Uh, great, great. So you mentioned that um, you traded in... Uh, Mitrovic for Odegaard. Have you made any other trades recently that you think you want to highlight, whether you are happy you made them or you regret you made them? Uh, and I guess that could go for pickups as well. What are some some highlights of your season so far? Um, so in the same league, I managed to get... Um, I kind of bought into the fab war a little bit. So I was well out of the, the war in terms of having the, the most dollars in terms of uh, free agency pickup um, but I knew I could kind of swing it a little bit I had $16 left and it's when Isaac had just signed for Newcastle so I was offering it out left right and centre basically and I managed to get um, Sinistera from Leeds for $16 and Adama Traore um, which I'm really pleased with now he's he's been really good Sinistera um, currently looking at trading him out of course because um, why not? <laughs> but yeah, he looks like he's he's a lot of fun. He's going to pick up lots of ghost points, and you know he started three games in England and scored three goals. So I'm really pleased with that one. Um, to be honest, that's the only one that that sticks out. I've done a lot of really boring trades. Really, um, I just got Leon Bailey in last week for Esther Pinyan from Brighton, um, which is pretty awful so far <laughs> scraping um, the bottom of the barrel there yeah big time but that was another one of those kind of stack up on one position so at one point I think on Friday night last week in that league I had I think I had seven forwards before I dropped a couple because I was kind of stacking them up and getting ready to trade a few out um, but yeah I've, I've got less now <laughs> um, in my home league I'm currently trying to try trade out Trent which is really like massively controversial uh people can't quite believe i'm offering him out um having said i'd never draft him i just couldn't resist <laughs> got him at 12th pick um so i thought yeah i can't let him fall any any further so i'm currently trying to trade him out ahead of some difficult fixtures and trying to get in uh well someone like madison really and seeing if i can get away with with something like that a madison plus one but no, I'm finding trading very heavy going so far. It's it's not an easy task. Absolutely. So, uh, yeah, I think that kind of concludes things here, unless you have any other secrets that you want to reveal to uh, managers of the draft game. Would you, would you want to uh, tell everybody where they can get some more of your takes? Um, I'm not going to give them any more secrets. Gosh, no. <laughs> They've had all of them. Um, but yeah, no, uh, you can find me on ffootball92 on Twitter, uh, fantasyfootball92.com on the internet. Um, we kind of do differential stuff is my forte, really. I quite like trying to 
highlight the uh, the low ownership potential. Um, but yeah, that's that's all I've got really. Um, I'm I'm definitely not on Jacob's standard so far this year of seven and zero and six and one. I'm um, five and two and and three and four. So a long way to go for me at the moment. So maybe I'll be calling up Jacob for some tips rather than the other way around. Hey, well, maybe after this talk, things will improve for you. Hope so. <laughs> All right, I'll let you go. Thanks, Zach. Been thanks, a pleasure. For, Thank thanks for joining us. Thank you, mate. Appreciate it.